today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. put this thing in the grave, then this corruptible puts on incorruption. I don't do it while I'm still walking around with this thing, because this flesh is still a battle day in and day out and day in and day out. It's by God's divine power that we're able to receive from his divine nature. He brings that into our lives as believers. What then becomes available to you and I as we receive that divine nature as we taste it, as we experience it. We have the very presence and the power of Almighty God working in and through us. Not us as God, but God working through us. Life is a battle and a daily grind. However, the scriptures teach that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of us. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that this means that once we were a slave to our flesh and sin, However, through the power of the cross, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. As we walk with Jesus, His power works in and through us so that we become participators in His divine nature. This means that we can overcome whatever life throws at us because we have Christ in us. Now here's Pastor David with part two of his message, The Great Escape, from the book of 2 Peter. It's through the Word of God that we're able to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are so many today who preach and teach based on experience rather than on the solid teaching of the Word of God. They'll have a little bit of the Word of God, and then from there they go on with their life experience. Life experience is good, but that's not where we gain our strength. I want to hear the testimony of how God has moved and worked in your life and in my life. But beloved, it's the word of God that has power and strength. And it's by the word of God that we're able to test the spirits to see if they are of God. Throughout the word, we see these exceedingly great and precious promises that Peter declares here that have been given to us by the very divine power of God. He gives us these Things, not only all things pertaining to life and godliness, but also he's given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. These are exceedingly great. And that tells us about, again, the quantity, tells us about the depth of them, tells us of the extent of these promises. It also says that they're precious, exceedingly precious. And this speaks about the quality of the promises that God gives us through his word. Speaks of the purity of those promises. And even the thought of you and I being cherished by God. Have you thought about that lately? That you are cherished in the eye of God. And I say, well, not me, pastor. Yeah, every one of us, we are cherished in the eyes of God. 
He, he knows what took place a, a week ago or maybe an hour ago. He knows those things. He knows the attitudes that maybe we had even as we came through these doors. And yet we are cherished in his sight. We're so cherished that he sent his son to die for us. That's how cherished we are in his sight. That's a precious promise. But it also tells us, Peter tells us here, the very source of all of these things. They come by way of God's divine power, promise of eternal life, the promise of his continual presence in our life, the promise of the peace that passes all understanding, the promise that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the promise that if we seek his face, he will lead us, he'll direct our steps, the promise that nothing will ever separate us from his love, and on and on and on we go through the pages of Scripture, those exceedingly great and precious promises of God for us as believers. And as we become partakers of these promises, we're able to be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. God himself working in and through us. That, that again, what an awesome thought that is. That God himself, the creator of all that there is, is willing to work within your life and mine. We're able to be partakers of his divine nature. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's probably easier for me to think that God would be up there, he creates the world, and we're on our own. It is amazing, though, to me, to understand that he did so much more than that. He didn't just leave us to our own devices. He became intimately involved in our lives, and he allows us to be partakers of that divine nature. But we need to be careful on what that means. You need to clearly understand what that says and what it doesn't say for us to be partakers of the divine nature. Because there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of false teaching. And that's what the book of Second Peter is all about. We are to be the guardians of the faith. We need to be watching and careful of the teachings that are going on. Peter wrote to the church then because there was so much false teaching false doctrine that was going on even in the first century church. And now 2,000 years later, there's just as much, if not more, and people are being fed into it and they are buying it hook, line, and sinker. We look at this, partakers of the divine nature. Let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean that we become divine in nature. That is not what it means. The very word that Peter uses here when he says that we are partakers, it's the same word that we get koinonia, fellowship, communion, being partakers with, participating with. What Peter is saying here, we experience the fellowship of communion with the divine nature when we are experiencing the greatness and the preciousness of his promises together. Whenever we have a time of experiencing the, that, that overwhelming power and presence of God in our lives, we can rightly say, God is in this place. I, I, I'm tasting it. I am enjoying his presence in this place. We taste and we experience him, but we do not become divine in nature. How wrong it would be for us 
when we are experiencing the reality of God in our life, to say, I am becoming God. And yet, you know, that's a lie and the false doctrine that's in the world today. That's a teaching of new age. That's Eastern mysticism. Years ago, Maharishi Mahash Yoga. Say that three times real quick, okay? I had to study all week to get that name down. This is what he says. He says that man is divine. The inner man is fully divine. And listen to these words that he says. Be still and know that you are God. When you know you are God, you will begin to live Godhood. Swami Muktananda, another great name, says your God dwells within you as God. In other words, you as God. He's in you, that makes you God. There was a really popular book, probably still is popular. It was a self-help and a, a, a spiritual disciplines book. It was written back in 1978 by a psychologist by the name of M. Scott Peck. The name of the book, and some of you might have seen it, uh, maybe you've read it, hopefully you're not living by it. It was called The Road Less Traveled. It was, a, it was a bestseller. As a matter of fact, it had a huge run as bestseller on the New York Times list. And the book was so popular, it was even in a lot of Christian bookstores. But listen to what Peck writes in that book. In the pages of that book, he writes, God wants us to become himself, and then in parentheses, or herself or itself, We are growing toward Godhood. God is the goal of evolution. That's not the road less traveled. That's the road most traveled. That's the road that the lost are traveling. But beloved, that's not a tunnel that you can go through to gain freedom and to gain escape. That tunnel leads to nowhere. And you and I, as the church and the church universal, we ought to be able to read statements like that and and very quickly realize, man, that is blasphemous. That That is absolutely wrong and blasphemous. But yet do you realize even today that a large portion of the church is declaring those same kind of heresies, those same kind of blasphemies, those same kind of false doctrines and teachings. One very powerful, well-followed-after, well-known preacher, radio preacher, television preacher declares this. Am I a god? Man was created in the god class. It was not created in the animal class. It was the god class. He has a uniqueness about him that even angels do not have. Now Peter said, and he even quotes here, that by exceeding great and precious promises, you become partakers of the divine nature. All right. Are we gods? We are a class of gods. He goes on a little bit later 
and declares God is a spirit. And Jesus said the time will come and now is that they will worship him in spirit. Worship him in spirit and in truth. And he imparted to you when you were born again. Peter said it just as plain. He said that we are partakers of the divine nature. That nature is life eternal in absolute perfection. And that was imparted or injected into our spirit man, and you have that imparted into you by God. You don't have a God in you. You are one. Kenneth Copeland. But that's not all. There's more. The late TBN president, Paul Crouch. Let me stop right here. Some people might say, well, why are you naming names? Because so many believers are listening to this garbage. And so many people are being led astray. If the Apostle Paul was bold enough to speak the names that have caused him great harm, and that have caused great harm to the body of Christ, I think we need to be able to do that too. And all I'm stating is what these men have declared. And it's blasphemy, it's heresy, it's false teaching, and people are buying it hook, line, and sinker. Paul Crouch, again a a a big defender of of the heresies that the men and women of what's called the word faith movement. He says, I am a little God. Critics be gone. That was on his Praise the Lord program on TBN. Benny Hinn, so popular to so many. He was so convinced of our unity with God that he affirms, when I stand in Christ, I am one with him. I am not part of him. I am him. Really? The word has become flesh in me. Beloved, that's blasphemy. There's a multitude of other quotes that I could bring that would take take up our afternoon of time. I could bring you videos of these men declaring these very same things. Not just, not just Copeland, not just Crouch, not just Hen, but men like Rodney Howard Brown, Earl Polk, Morris Carrillo, Casey Dre- uh, Treat, Greflo Dollar, Eddie Long, Jesse Duplantis, and a host of others who spout the same kind of blasphemies. I look at the writing of Peck, and I see in that writing a foundation that is based on such a heresy. How can I receive anything else that this man says? It would be like me bringing to you uh, this luscious grilled porterhouse steak, saying, oh, this thing is grilled to perfection just the way you like it. Now, in the preparation, I put a little arsenic on it, but there's just a little bit. It will taste wonderful, and people eat it and lick the plate. Hundreds of thousands of believers following after this stuff and supporting these heresies. To become a God? Isn't that the same lie we heard back in the garden? Isn't that the same thing that, again, Satan tempted Eve with, and yet the church is buying that same lie? The psalmist declared, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We taste, we we experience, but beloved, we don't become gods. We don't become divine. We will become immortal when this mortal is, is cast off and we put on immortality, but that happens when this carcass dies. 
When we put this thing in the grave, then this corruptible puts on incorruption. I don't do it while I'm still walking around with this thing because this flesh is still a battle day in and day out and day in and day out. It's by God's divine power that we're able to receive from his divine nature. He brings that into our lives as believers. What then becomes available to you and I as we receive that divine nature, as we taste it, as we experience it. We have the very presence and the power of Almighty God working in and through us. Not us as God, but God working through us. We receive the knowledge of his great love. We receive the ability to be able to walk in forgiveness with each other because we know how we've been forgiven and because we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I can walk in forgiveness to those that have wronged me. We have the competence and the the strength then to be able to walk in hope, even though we may be surrounded by hopelessness because we are partakers of that divine nature because we've tasted, we've known who the Lord is and how the Lord works, that in the midst of our hopelessness, we can walk in hope. We become aware of eternity in our hearts. I'm no longer just an animal that's just destined to, to the grave and my bones and, and flesh being rotted and, and going back to dust. No, there is eternity that God has placed in me. Not that I am a God, but that he has given to me eternal life. And now I live for more than just the 70, 80, or 90 years of this earth's existence. I live for the reality of eternity, and I look forward to it. In our life, because we've been partakers, we've tasted and we've seen that divine nature working in our lives, that power of God working within our lives, we can now have that full manifestation of true and complete peace in our lives. Not based on the circumstances that surround us, but based on the reality and the power and the strength of who Almighty God is. I can now walk in that peace, though there's no peace that's around me. Though I'm in the the middle of a, of a, of a, a perfect storm, I can have peace knowing that, you know what, even in the midst of this, the greatness of an almighty, sovereign, omnipotent, all knowing God, all powerful, all knowing, all present God is working in my behalf. And I can have peace in the midst of that. All of this, not in our own ability, not in our own strength but because we have communion with that divine nature. We're no longer citizens of this corrupt world. We're no longer a part of the darkness of this world. We're now citizens of a heavenly kingdom, and we live in the presence of that great king of kings. This present world is filled with darkness. It's filled with corruption. Peter tells us that we are able to receive and experience the blessings of God because we're no longer a part of this world's kingdom. The great escape has already been planned, it's already been carried out, and it's available to us through the blood of the Lamb. And it brings us to total freedom. And the only ones that are recaptured again are the ones that allow themselves to believe the lies of the devil. The lies of the enemy that will bring you into captivity once again, though in reality you are free. You have been set free by the work, the total work of Christ Peter's clear. He declares the extent of the damage that's been produced because of lust. I told you we'd get there. Too often, though, we we put a much too limited 
understanding on what lust is. Lust isn't just the inordinate or the inappropriate sexual cravings, though that is part of lust. Let me give you a better definition of lust, a more full and complete definition of what lust is and what I believe that Peter has in mind here. That lust is defined as irregular, unreasonable, inordinate, and impure desires of any sort. Irregular, unreasonable, inordinate, and unpure desires of any sort. A desire to have, or to do, or to be what God has prohibited. Those things that would be ruinous to us, those things that would be destructive to us, if that desire was to be granted. And again, I'm reminded of the whispers that were given in the Garden of Eden. As Satan speaks to Eve, Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, that it was desirable to make one wise. She took eat of the fruit, and she also gave it to her husband. She had a desire to have it, to do it, and to be what God had prohibited all to be like God. So she ate of that fruit. And so sin entered into the world. And as Paul tells us in Romans, sin entered into the world and death through sin. And thus sin spread to all mankind. I think it's pretty safe to say that the world was corrupted by lust. And it started way back in the garden. And it continues even today. But when we come to Christ, we're able to escape out of the corruption. We may still struggle at times with sin, I understand that, but we have that great escape from the full reality and the eternal consequence of that sin. And I do say eternal consequence of that sin because I know that many still are living the consequences of sin, though their lives are forgiven. We may still live a consequence of a sin, but yet know that God has forgiven us. Peter tells us that God's divine power works in us to give us everything necessary in this life and the next. Through his glory, by the virtue of his love for us, he pours out upon us with a great quantity and quality all of his promises. And as we receive them, as we walk in them, we experience the presence of his divine nature working in our lives. All of this possible because we are able to escape out of the darkness of this present world and enter into his light. Paul, in full agreement with this, tells us in Romans 5, I'll close with this. Paul Roy writing very similar words. He says in Romans 5, verse 8, 9, and 10, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come and we'll be saved through him. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not to become gods, but because there is a great and an awesome God who loves you, loved you so much, he cherishes you. He cherishes you so much, he sent his son for you in order that you and I might be able to escape 
the corruption of this world. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. The life we're called to live as followers of Christ is not a simple one. And the Apostle Peter makes it clear through his second letter that it's a path that's easy to miss. So how do we stay connected to our Savior and walk out the steps He has planned? One way is to immerse ourselves in a community of faith. When we spend time with other believers, we can remind each other of the truth of God's great power, just like Peter reminded the early church. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If not, Pastor David has a personal invitation for you. Well, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith. It's given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, you're looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Savior and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. Is there some way we could be praying for you as you journey along your path with Jesus? Let us know by calling 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We love to be able to speak with our listeners, lift them up in prayer, and answer the questions they have. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor David's study in 2 Peter today. Join us next time to continue the series right here on The Open Word.